0: All right, Lead Heads, welcome back to the Talking Lead Show, This is episode 210, and uh, we'll go ahead and thank our guests from last week. If you guys didn't tune in to 209, we had Charlie and Joe from Atlas Defense, and we talked suppressors, so the guys uh, were generous enough to, to stop in on their worldwide tour. Uh, they were here in Tennessee, we hit a couple of local ranges, and they were... Uh, had enough time to stop in and do the show, so we greatly appreciate that and we got some basics on uh, suppressor education so I hope you guys enjoyed that if you have any additional questions for Charlie or Joe you can send those to me at talking at gmail dot com and we'll be glad to uh, get the answers for you if we didn't cover something that you wanted to know about suppressors so this week as I told you guys um, I went to an awesome event in Ohio that Asymmetric Technologies was hosting, and uh, we've got none other than Brian Borkowski himself joining us today. Welcome in, Brian.
1: Thanks, Marty. Appreciate you having me on, man.
0: Yeah, it's been a while, buddy.
1: It has been a minute. We did shot show together, but uh,
0: we I don't did. We
1: came on the show that time. We were running around doing other stuff at the show. I saw you a lot, though.
0: Yeah, well you. Uh, I saw you in passing, and I tried waving you over a few times, but you're like, ah, I got other stuff I got to do." So <laughs> we didn't get Brian on at our, you know, our normal traditional shot show interview. So uh, we thought this would be an opportune time. Uh, Brian with Asymmetric Technologies has some new products, uh, and one in particular that we're going to talk about today that he demoed at the. Was this your third or fourth annual machine gun shoot? Well,
1: this is the second one that was kind of (laughs) open.
0: Gotcha. How about that? (laughs) So, officially, this is like the second. Yeah, officially, it's the second. Second annual machine gun. And uh, we're going to talk about that product, and then we'll talk about all the awesome guns that we got to shoot uh, as well. Uh, But first, we've got to thank the people that make this show possible. Frontier Tactical. Check them out at FrontierTactical.com. They are the makers of the Warlock system. The AR-15 multi-caliber adapter that you can put on your AR-15 and be able to shoot up to 90 different calibers from your one AR platform, Brian.
1: Which is, you know, for me, from a, uh, oh shit, shit hits the fan <laughs> kind of standpoint, that's a great thing just to have, quite frankly. That's just a great one to hold on to.
0: Well, now they make their their full line of rifles, too, that come standard with. The warlock system on it so this would be awesome for just your everyday personal protection gun your truck gun uh your competition gun if you're shooting competition and uh you just pop that warlock system unlock it pull the barrels uh, whole barrel assembly out with the handguard and everything pop in your new one and you're ready to go just like that so check them out at frontiertactical.com modern spartan systems optimize your firearms not just lube and clean them, optimize them with modern Spartan systems. They've got the gun oils, the gun grease, the copper destroyer. They've even got lens cleaners for your optics. And of course, as you guys have heard me talk about time and time again, the TVT engine oil additive for your vehicles. And uh, the lead sled, Brian is now over three hundred, about three hundred five thousand miles. I've got on it. I didn't drive it to Ohio. We took uh, Pepper's uh, vehicle to Ohio, so you didn't you didn't get to see the new lead sled wrap that I've got. I'd seen
1: the new uh, the new wrap,
0: yeah. But it's the same old lead sled that you're familiar with. Uh, we just, uh, we you know, we've, we've clocked it over 300,000 miles now. And that's due to use in modern Spartan systems, TVT engine additive. And that works great on pretty much anything mechanical that you can think of. So you got um, tractors, you got, what else is mechanical that people would use every day? Um, what about
1: ATVs?
0: ATVs, you know, you might want to check your they manufacturer's specs on that, but those just run typical gas. Don't they? They're not gas oil mix, right?
1: Correct. They're just yeah. typical. Mine, mine are, anyway. I mean, you can get them in different kinds of uh, engines. I don't know if you can get them oil mix, but mine are straight gas, both ones I have. Yeah. We beat the shit out of them, quite frankly.
0: I know that they've been testing it in some NASCAR vehicles. Uh, there's been some uh, some big NASCAR names that we can't mention yet that have been testing it out and using it. Uh, and uh, they've got some industrial applications that they've been using their product for as well. So check them out, ModernSpartanSystems.com. Oh, and also uh, they, they said that uh, they've got a, a fishing line. People put oil on their fishing line sometimes. Have you yeah, heard of that?
1: I have actually heard of that.
0: They've got a product for that too. Interesting. So pretty much, not that good at fishing. Pretty much all your lube needs, I would say, that don't involve... Uh, sexual pleasure. (laughs) And I don't know, maybe somebody will figure out a way to use them for that too. But modernspartansystems.com, X-Steel Targets. X-Steel Targets. For all your AR-500 steel target needs, X-Steel Targets has what you are looking for. They've got, uh, the Texas Stars. They've got the Dueling Trees. They've got the, uh, Hostage Targets. They've got the big gongs, the silhouette targets, animal-shaped targets, and if they don't have what you're looking for, they can make it. So you can get in touch with Bud over at xsteeltargets.com, and uh, like I said, if he don't have it, he can make it for you. Now, I noticed you had a lot of steel targets at your range.
1: And we beat them up pretty bad, too. Uh, We put holes in just about every one of them.
0: (laughs) Did we really? (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: I need to. I, I did not get them from X Steel Targets. I, I'm not sure where our guys bought them from this time. But I tell you what, I like. I like the fact that he's got ones on here. I'm just looking right now with you, yes. all the way up to 50 BMG. And gosh knows we could have used that.
0: Exactly. So I'm gonna get you in touch with Bud, and we're gonna get your range outfitted with some X steel target. Um, yeah,
1: we put holes. We we bought 500 steel, but we put holes right through almost every single one we had. Almost one or two of them survived. But and we uh,
0: were we were blasting a uh, a 50 cal too. Um, yep. And it was I don't know who sighted that thing, but it was right on target.
1: It it was it was nice. It helps when you're shooting only 250.
0: With well, 50 cal. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah, that is true. And speaking of right on the official optics of talking lead, right on USA Optics R I T O N, and uh, those guys, Brian and I, have been sitting here. Um, we're trying to get Brian fitted for a perfect scope for his new AR fifteen that he's got from Nordic Components, which is gorgeous. It's it's a beauty. It definitely is, and uh, they've got. All kinds of variety of scopes right now. I mean, for a new company, the variety that they have is amazing. So you guys go check them out at Right On USA. They've got one to fives, they've got four to twenties, they've got five to twenty fives, they've got three to nines. You name it, they've got it there. And these are illuminated. Also, uh, a lot of these are illuminated scopes. So check them out. Right On USA is a veteran-owned company. They're based out of Arizona, and uh, the episode that we did, I guess it was two two episodes ago with Brady, uh, we did a little basic scope education, rifle scope education for you guys, and uh, that's a series that we're going to continue with Brady, so go back, listen to that episode, learn the basics of rifle scopes, um, the parts, the components, uh, different aspects uh, of the scopes and that in that realm, and then we're going to bump it up. We're going to get intermediate in our next discussion. Uh, we'll talk about best ways to sight in your scopes, uh, best uses for certain type of scopes. Uh, and then, of course, these guys also are getting into range finders. So we'll be talking about some range finders, best way to use range finders. Uh, and then they've got an awesome pair of binoculars, uh, Brian, that you were able to oh, test out. Are awesome. uh, crystal clear. It's a 10X. Uh, I mean, you, you, couldn't get a better picture out of, I've never seen a better picture out of any binoculars, the quality that you're getting out of these things. They're well protected. It's got that rubberized covering over it. They've got great covers for the lenses to protect your lenses. Uh, and it comes with an awesome little carry case as well. Uh, and then the red dots, as we talked about, I guess last week and the week before they were coming out with their micro red dot. Uh, and it's the, uh, mod three. And that should be out by the time you guys hear this episode, should be shipping. Uh, It's not on their website as we're talking right now, but they should be posting that when this show is posted. So go check them out at rightonusa.com.
1: Yeah, I was very impressed by those binos. Um, You know, I admittedly, my uh, scope uh, knowledge is not that strong, but I've seen a lot of binos. (laughs) And uh, at at that kind of price point for that kind of package, it uh, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous picture.
0: Yeah, Very I mean, clear. these are your the, your $1,000 and up type binos, the quality that you're getting out of these binoculars. And everybody's reaction that I let try out at that event, the, their first reaction was, holy shit. <laughs> it's, uh, it, without fail, I mean, that was everybody's first reaction. It was like, holy shit, these are crystal clear.
1: <laughs> they were. I'm getting a pair. That's all there is to it.
0: Yeah, everybody needs to add that to their, their arsenal. Glock, the official carry of Talking Lead. I rock. uh, And I didn't show you my modified Glock that I got. I forgot to do that. Um, I had Danny over at Pack Arms do a a custom slide cut for me. And I call it the Knight's Templar. Knight's Templar, huh? Talking Lead Knight's Templar. So I've got a, uh, on the sides, I've got it cut out with a a Templar sword (laughs) on each side. I had him put serrations on the front of the gun. That are kind of like a dragon scale kind of look.
1: Sounds pretty cool.
0: And then on the top, I've got the, on the top back of the the slide toward the uh, rear sights, I've got the the cross, the Templar cross cut in on it.
1: You got to post a picture on your... uh, There's pictures
0: everywhere. You're behind, brother. And I am behind. (laughs) Too much
1: for that work shit.
0: (laughs) You've been traveling too much, brother.
1: I'm gonna settle down here for the next week or two only only one or two trips
0: there you go cut it down to one or two a week
1: I'm on I'm on your your site right now and I'm looking
0: okay if I'm you a, go to, I want to see it you Facebook or Instagram
1: I, I am on your main but I'm going to Facebook
0: okay yeah don't go to my personal one go to uh go to talking Lead, uh, Instagram or Facebook and we've got pictures of it posted uh, randomly through there but uh, Glock so visit Glock at us.glock.com And speaking of Glock, I'm going to have some great news for you guys in the next couple of episodes. I'm going to Glock this week. So as you're listening to this show, uh, I'll be at Glock's facilities in Smyrna, Georgia, uh, with what they call the, the Glock Summit, the 2017 Glock Summit. So I'll be taking their operator's course there. Uh, and then I'm pretty sure, they they haven't said, but I think they've got a new product that they're going to be unveiling. And it might be, and I'm just speculating, well, you guys remember the episode where we had the MHS, the Modular Handgun System discussion, where uh, the U.S. Army was doing their competition to pick the next uh, gun for our servicemen and women between SIG and Glock and Beretta and... Uh, several other companies, and it boiled down to to SIG and Glock. And as you guys know, SIG came out uh, with that going on to the next phase. They haven't officially, from my understanding, picked the SIG yet, but the SIG is in the final stage uh, of that competition. But uh, that gun that Glock submitted, you've seen the pictures that we've posted uh, on Instagram, Facebook. I'm thinking that's the gun that they're going to unveil and probably release, make available to the public. So, Brian, their, their new gun, the new Glock that they've got, it's a Glock. It's on a 17 frame, but it's a 19 slide. So, they've cut that 17 frame down to fit the 19. So, you're getting that longer grip with additional uh, magazine capacity. They've taken the finger grooves out of that grip. They've added an external safety. So, you get a, an ambi safety.
1: I, I personally love the ambi safety. Maybe it's just all the time in the Army that I'm used to it, but... Uh, I. I, I like that feature.
0: Right, you know, and that's the thing. that That's one of the, the features that, that it was a re- requirement for your handgun to have an external safety for the Army to use it. So a lot of our military men and women who were trained on external safeties probably will appreciate that. I know that uh, in the public, I've talked to several people that won't buy a Glock because it doesn't have an external safety on it. So this is going to fill that void. And I'm sure they're going to continue to make their non-safety um external safety glocks so you guys don't get your panties in a wad they're still going to have those available but again i'm just speculating that this is the gun that they're going to release it's got an ambi um slide release also i like that uh they put a little lanyard thing on there which you know millet that's another military thing and what else was it oh it's it's going to have their mos system so the ability to put different sights on very easily on that top rail so, uh, that's the things that I know right off. There's some other things that they didn't disclose to me that the gun has or some internal parts that they've changed as well. I'm guessing maybe some spring, um, some new spring systems. I don't know. I'm speculating. So, I just want good you guys looking, to know it's that. a good-looking
1: gun there. I'm looking at it right now, 19 MHS.
0: Yep, that's it. I like it. Yep. And it's that, that doo-doo brown. <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> I think some people were calling it peanut butter brown or something like that. But peanut butter brown. Yeah. So uh, you guys stay tuned. Uh, we're gonna have some great info coming from Glock here in the next upcoming episodes of Talking Lead.
1: What capacity is that mag?
0: The um, the seventeen, I believe it's six, 16 rounds.
1: I'm looking. I'm looking right now, and I think it's seventeen. It 17 I see 17 a seventeen, rounds? and uh, I, I zoomed way in on the uh, the mag pick there. It looks like that it's seventeen, sixteen, and seventeen. I see.
0: Well, we've got the world of information at our fingertips. I'll just look it up. So I, I carry the uh, the twenty-three. I'm a forty guy, Brian. You know, I'm like one of
1: forty. I love forty. Don't you? You won't hear me mess with forty.
0: A lot of people, you know, bust on the forty, but uh, I, I've got you know seventeen rounds. The, the Glock seventeen is seventeen rounds. How about 17 that? Seventeen rounds. Isn't that something? Hey, our buddy from. Uh, Tusker just texted me. Let's see what he's saying. So I told you he was going to uh, Africa.
1: Mark Hunt's literally he's a he's a world renowned hunter, really, and uh, he he's always somewhere. Every time I call me, some days he sends me a, a picture of, of uh, what he's gotten from wherever in the world, and it's it's something different every month. So,
0: so that's got to be our uh, our next thing to do with him is we need to go on an African hunting trip with him.
1: Oh, he goes everywhere. He goes to Asia. He's climbed the mountains to go after Tor and
0: Jealous. all kinds of crazy stuff. Jealous. So we'll we'll tell you who Mark is, who we're talking about, Mark, in, in just a little bit as we get into talking about our machine gun shoot. But uh, I hear that jack wagon train rolling in, Brian.
1: Uh, it, It's coming down the tracks. Where's it going?
0: Bring that train in, Gunny. Who rides Semper do or die, hold them high at 8th and 9th. It is time for the talking lead. Jack wagon of the week, so brace yourself, baby. So I was going through the news to this morning, and uh, this is Saturday morning. I'm kind of recording late than later than my normal time, but uh, you, you guys have heard us talk about those smart guns in the past, and uh, there's been a guy who, well, first off, there's a company that has released a smart gun. There's a, a smart gun that is out there, and I guess it's commercially available where people can go buy it. I think it's expensive as hell. Uh, it's made by a company called—I want to say it right—Armatix, A R M A T I X. And what it is is it's—it's a combination. You got this wristwatch that you wear. That I guess it's got some sort of a um, electronic signal that when it's close enough to the firearm, then it activates it, and you're able to shoot it. But it's got its own sort of—you know—obviously its own frequency. So. There's a guy who's been able been able to hack this system using, and I'm I'm assuming it's probably a rare earth magnet, Brian. Got a little bit of
1: experience with those, right?
0: With the uh, the the product that we talked about in the past, the artificial shoulder pocket. Yep. Uh, those magnets are freaking phenomenally strong. I mean, they will break your finger if, yeah. if you're I've not careful. It snap
1: a lot of people who are not <laughs> paying attention. That's part of the fun. <laughs>
0: I was actually. You'll get a kick out of this. I was actually uh, changing my tail light out of the lead sled the other day, and one of my screws fell down inside this hole that I couldn't get to. You know, I was like, "Holy shit!" You know. So I went and I got the the ASP, <laughs> I got my ASP, and I magneted that some bitch out of there, and it just sucked it right out. <laughs> I was it's like, "Yeah,
1: strong, man. It's something like seventy pounds of pull between
0: the 2 I'm telling. I was like, yet another use for the ASP. But, uh, so this guy, um, and he goes by the name, he's got some pseudonym name that he used. He's some famous, uh, hack guy, computer hack guy, uh, Plore, P-L-O-R-E, uh, so he recently discovered that he could shoot the gun without wearing the paired watch by placing a $15 magnet next to the weapon. See, so it said he also managed to disable the weapon remotely by jamming radio signals so it couldn't shoot. Uh, so... Basically, what this guy, I mean, his whole purpose was just to, I guess, find flaws with the gun, you know, find exploits. And I don't think the company hired him for this. I think he just did it on his own. Uh, But, you know, the smart guns, there's all kinds of things that I just don't like about smart gun technology. One is anything smart can be hacked, you know? So I don't want to, I don't want my life to rely on a smart gun, you know, something that could be easily hacked. The batteries run out the batteries fell on it uh i mean there's all kinds of things that could potentially go wrong with this this type system i'm not a, you know i'm not against technology brian i love technology and i love people who innovate and i think it's great that people come out with products like this i think they could be a good thing i just don't think the technology's there yet
1: oh, i don't think it's anywhere close and uh, I, I would never, I, I work in technology, technology is all I do, but you would never see me put it, something like that on a gun. Right. I mean, the, the gun needs to work when I pick it up and, and that's all there is to it. I can't, I can't have it tell me it's waiting on an update or some shit like that when I need to
0: use it. Yeah. No. A gun is not something that you want a computer operating. You want a person to decide when that gun needs to go off and when it doesn't need to go off. And I just see, you know, government sticking their freaking nose in on this and making this type technology, you know, going in and trying to mandate something like this. That all guns have to go in and have some sort of smart technology, which, you know, the only reason they would do it is they like to line their fucking pockets. You know, politicians, there's going to be money in it for them and they're going to be able to line their dirty pockets somehow, some way by doing something like this. So we've got to really keep our eyes on this technology. Make sure that it is headed in the right direction. You know, I don't want to discourage it. You uh, know, I want something to get developed. I like progress. I like technology. I like innovation. Um, but like you said, it's it's not there. It's nowhere near being ready to release to the public yet.
1: It's amazing. We call things smart, but they're they're really not smart. You know, <laughs> they're just a, it's just we used a different way, right? It's a different type of safety. And just listening to what you said, my first guess is they tried to, uh, you know, the radio frequency sends a message that moves a magnet. You know, turns on or off for an electromagnet or even a a standard rare earth magnet. And uh, yeah, there's just right. There's lots of things that can go wrong in that chain, and uh, I, I don't see the issues with good proper gun training. You know, from from the right age and uh, responsibility.
0: That's the best thing that we can do, you know, for for a smart gun is a smart person, a smart user. That's what makes a gun smart is the person behind it. A gun is an inanimate object. You know, it doesn't think. It doesn't have a brain. It will not do anything unless it's manipulated by a living creature. Or, you know, it could sit there and rust too, I guess. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's That'd be a shame. That would be a shame. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people do that. They just let them sit sit around their house and uh, and rust. Uh, but that's going to lead to our next jack wagon that I've got. And uh, I didn't discuss this one with you, but uh, New Jersey. have You've heard about these gun buyback programs in the past. Yeah, I thought they I've seen had the
1: pile of guns that results in the uh, the little media day.
0: Right, uh, and you know they've historically they've just they've been fails. You know. The, the type of guns that they're getting and the objective you know, they're doing it to clean up the streets, you know, of, of illegal guns. So what they do is they give amnesty, you know, no questions. asked you, bring your guns in and they will buy them back for ridiculous amounts, small amount of money for probably what a lot of these guns that people are bringing in. I mean, some people are bringing in antiques, you know, that's been in their families for generations and, you know, they're buying them back for a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. Something along those lines. And, you know, this is the, the same program. I thought these had gone away. I thought they were like, you know, these don't work. You know, let's not do it. But New Jersey, no, nope, New Jersey is bringing it back. And they, they've they had one the past couple of days. I think it's actually going on today's the last day uh, that they're doing it. It's like a two-day buyback program. And uh, you read the article, and it's just people like this one couple. It's an older couple. They're like, yeah, I had a couple of guns, bringing them in. Uh, and I'm going to take my wife out to an anniversary dinner for the money that we're getting from it. <laughs> you know, there was one, they were saying that uh, this lady brought him in on behalf of her uncle because he was afraid to bring him in um, for whatever reason. I mean, you can only imagine. I mean, he's probably illegal. You know, he probably got him illegally or they were used illegally somehow. And he didn't want to be tied to him. So he had his uh, niece or somebody bring him in for him. It was... Pretty funny.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the pile of guns. I I just looked it up online while we're talking. There's there's some there's some funny shit in these piles,
0: <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at some kind of revolver. It's old. It's an antique for sure. It's old, but it's got probably I don't know three foot barrel, two and a half foot barrel.
0: It's crazy. So one it says uh, my this one lady that brought them in. Donna uh, said they belong to my boyfriend who passed away. I don't know what to do with them, so I figured this is a good way to dispose of them. <laughs> I mean, take them to a freaking gun store; they'll buy them from you. Probably give you more money.
1: Yep. Yeah. Some of these things, man, it looks like people are turning in just because they're given, no matter what condition the guns in or or anything, they're given a set price.
0: Yeah, so it's, I'm just looking that up. Rifles and shotguns, a hundred dollars. Uh, let's see, you get a hundred twenty dollars for a handgun or revolver. And you get $200 for an assault weapon.
1: <laughs> the best line is the next line. I, I'm re- Law enforcement officials on scene will determine if a firearm is an assault weapon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Because there's no such thing as an assault weapon. It doesn't exist. It's a made-up turn by the leftist liberal media to scare people into their agendas. That's, that's where assault weapon came from. I mean, a freaking hammer could be an assault weapon. You know. Yeah, my
1: favorite story about all that is uh, you look back to the—there the, was a Civil War in, I think it was Congo, and, uh, you know, they, they, when they tallied up the numbers, they, there was 100,000-some people killed with machetes.
0: <laughs> assault machetes. <laughs> right, exactly. And, uh, you know. Yeah, they're always cutting people's hands and heads off over there with machetes. I mean, that's a, that's a there huge— There were
1: assault rocks back in the day, I guess.
0: Right. It's just the right size, Sticks. right? Sticks looks scary. Assault branches. <laughs> so there's this, you know, I was talking about antiques. Let's see. Uh, we found, we turned in a shot in a this. We were going to take money, blah, blah, blah. Don. Who's, who's. And there's one that says, oh, they're antiques, said Allie Tolls of Trenton. They were my grandfathers. Tolles said it was actually his uncle who wanted to get rid of the weapons because he scared to come down, so he sent me. Uh. <laughs> But they're antiques. I mean, you could freaking get, I mean, no telling how much if they're, you know, actual antiques. And that's a lot of things. People don't know the gun. They're like, oh, I got this gun laying around here. It's been in the family for generations. Nobody's doing anything with it. I get a hundred bucks down here for it. Hell yeah. Yep. And and then, you know, these police see it and they're going, you know what? That's probably a $10,000 gun right there. Yeah.
1: They probably, uh, they probably took a couple really nice guns off the market there.
0: But it doesn't, them. doesn't say what they're doing with the weapons once they get them.
1: Uh, I see a picture here online, and they're all melted down in a fire.
0: Yeah, but it doesn't say in this article that that's what they're doing with them. Very true. That, that is, is just a, a picture. That is just a picture that wants you to think that that's what they're doing with them. I guarantee you they're cherry-picking. Those police officers are cherry-picking. <laughs> they're like, yep. that one's mine, that one's mine. <laughs> I'm taking it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But their whole their whole thing is you know, they want to get guns off the street so that, you know, if you're not using them, they're no use to you, then somebody can't break in and steal them and they get on the streets and be used, you know, I illegally. Yes, but something. my
1: big problem with all that is, you know, the people that are using them for crimes aren't selling them for a hundred damn dollars, right? <laughs> it's all the, it's, it's just like... It's just like the conversations with CCWs and oh, we don't want more people to have guns. Those aren't the people committing the crimes with the CCWs.
0: Right. You these know, people that mean, are turning these guns in aren't the people committing the crimes with you're the guns. Taking what I call benign guns off the street,
1: right? The, these aren't the ones shooting people.
0: Right. Exactly. So yet another. Uh, because I mean, it doesn't talk about how many they got or anything like that. It's just just a little fluff story um, that they've thrown in here, New Jersey. So I'm throwing the buyback, the gun buyback programs on the jack wagon train. All of them. Yeah. They're ridiculous. I'm going
1: to say something not politically correct here, but I'm looking at a picture of the line of guys waiting in line. It's all old white dudes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I've said it before, it's like, if you want to get a really good deal on a gun, um, find out where these gun buyback programs are and get these people before they get in line, you know, and you'll probably get you some good deals on some guns. Or you might want to you know take them to your FFL and have them transferred properly but in the state of Tennessee you don't have to do that. Do you have any jack wagons you want to throw on train? You no. Know, Anybody come to mind? It,
1: nothing's any? coming to mind right now. There's lots of shit, you know, I you know, I'm just not <laughs> fired up about any of them at this exact moment, which is a good thing.
0: Right, it's still I've early in the morning. I've been trying
1: to stay off things like Facebook and and stuff like that lately uh just to just kind of
0: you want get your yeah. blood pressure down? Yeah, just get the blood pressure down, you know, reset a little bit. you got, you got know, enough stress in your night. life. You don't need uh, this fake news jacking you up, do you?
1: Nah, no. Nah. And I get more mad, you know, I get less mad at the actual fake news. I get more mad at the people who believe fake news and don't have the brain cells to figure out the difference.
0: Or, or the, I was going to say, you know, not be so lazy and just, just double check and verify it. You know, a lot of people just take it at face value. And like you said, they, you know, they won't go verify the information. They're There's, Oh, well that's what he says. And that's what it is.
1: Most people don't even read the article cuz usually towards the end of all the fake news articles they put one little smidge of truth in there or one little thing that debunks the entire headline.
0: Exactly. They're trying, yeah.
1: they're trying to, you know, say, "Oh no, we we told you," you know, but no one reads down to the last line. They read the headline and make an assumption and move out. And, uh that that's the part that really drives me crazy.
0: Right. Like like this headline right here says, "This is why a new documentary is calling the Simpsons racist." So, so people read that and they're like, "Oh, The Simpsons is racist," and they don't read the article. You know, they don't go through and read the article. They just all of a sudden now they'll stop watching The Simpsons or they'll start saying The Simpsons is racist. And if you read the article, which I haven't done, <laughs> 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 uh, I'm sure it's going into. And you, everybody's seen the freaking Simpsons. Uh, they stereotype everybody in that. I mean, the the freaking main character, Homer Simpson. Is stereotyping white people. <laughs> uh it's a great show. I haven't watched it in years though.
1: I haven't watched it in years later. But I did watch it four years and it was hilarious. Hadn't it
0: been on like point. like fifty years now?
1: I I don't know, man. It's it's hard to even believe I watched it when I was young.
0: <laughs> the Simpsons. <laughs> All right, we're chasing rabbit holes now. We're talking about the freaking Simpsons. Let's. Uh hey,
1: I want to go back to one thing real quick. It okay. just dawned on me, too, because I am still looking at this article online with the New Jersey buyback. i seeing all these guns that are piled up, and I'm thinking to myself, how do they keep this thing safe? You know, like, at a gun show, when people bring guns in, you know, they have somebody at the front clearing them and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But gun show, there's normally not a line out the door. So you got, before the guy even gets in the building, I'm watching this line growing out at the back, and a bunch of people that are unfamiliar with guns that are, don't know if they're probably loaded, not loaded, whatever, just standing around with nothing to do with a gun attack.
0: Right. Hands. <laughs> Jesus. Well, it says, and and I understand what you're saying, There's a uh, in this article it said that there were two police officers out safety checking before they came in. Well, that's but nobody's safety checking the people in line, which... Yeah, I
1: see the guys at the door safety checking people. I just mean there's a line going out around right. the... You know. I mean, that's
0: a valid point right there. So, I mean, somebody that's, you know, three blocks down in this line, if their line is even that long, um, you know, has the potential of negligently discharging that firearm. You know, and they got to know that people that are bringing these in are not, you know, firearm... Um, savvy at all exactly so you know, i mean they, they should be going down that line for each individual and uh, either making them secure it or taking it away from them or something I, mean, I don't know that's just another potential and we've not heard of any at this point i've not heard of any oh no, no i haven't heard anything either just anything yeah but it's gonna happen you know it's gonna happen
1: I see something else that makes me cry in these pictures. I see a a SIG with that still has the you know how they put that little wrap around the handguard. Oh my gosh! New? Yeah, so there's a SIG sitting in there with the wrap around the handguard, so you know that thing's never
0: been used. And they got they got two fifty for it.
1: No, 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 not even no. They <laughs> or one
0: fifty. They got one fifty for it.
1: 150, one
0: fifty. One one twenty. Is that what it? One twenty. One hundred twenty. Handgun or a revolver. Oh my gosh! I mean, this is one way that police departments, I guess, could uh, could arm themselves. You know, that's, that's one way. You get some great handguns that way and everybody's carrying something different. You got a Glock, you got a Sig over here. You got this guy carrying a revolver, officer Jones, (laughs) hodgepodge. That's hilarious. All right. Let's talk about asymmetric technologies and what you guys have going on recently. I guess the last time we talked you, uh, you guys were doing your drone, um, deal and yeah uh, and
1: we sold our drone company uh, our commercial drone business we actually sold it to uh, a company called progress rail which is caterpillar so we basically sold our drone company to caterpillar um, nice so commercially they're doing all all the drone stuff we used to do bridges um lots of industrial and uh, uh utility type work um so a couple of my really good guys went over there, and uh, we keep in touch pretty often. You saw one of them come out to the to our shoot the other day and fly some drones. We used as targets, which was a lot of fun. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, that um, was that was awesome.
1: I got some video of that, by the way. I need to share it with you.
0: Yeah, I need to set up the um, the Dropbox because I've got videos that I got to drop in there for you too. Yeah, you.
1: but. Uh... You know, so we, we we got out of that side. We still do government drones. We still work for the government.
0: Okay, so you're still stuff. into the the drone stuff.
1: A little bit, just more. Uh, you know, we don't build dro- like from. You know, we're not. not manufacturing
0: problems, drones, so drones. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we're not manufacturing. We're not doing that stuff. We're more about uh, um, tech integration you know, uh, capabilities.
0: We don't make the drones you use. We make the drones you use better.
1: There you go. That's exactly (laughs) what we do. We do that kind of work for the government though. So I can't, I don't touch anything that has to do with, uh, commercial work on that side. Right. But, uh, you know. So so
0: is there anything with the drones government wise that you can talk about maybe what, what they're being used for?
1: the, The one I can talk about, um. We're doing what's called a uh, secure flight controller. We're actually building that for Homeland Security, but it has a lot of other applications. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the brains behind the drone is the flight controller. Um, you can put it on a fixed wing, a rotary wing. You can put it on a heck. You can technically put it on a ground vehicle. It just, you know, it's the thing that tells what motor to go at what time to move it. You okay. Know, it, it's so all the, the companies that have been selling. You know military grade or 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 that type of drones they all have very proprietary systems so the government's getting frustrated when they bought these that i want to change one line of code or change one thing and they're going to charge me fifty thousand dollars to make a tiny little change you know basically they're locked in you know Mm -hmm. they they had handcuffs on so you look at the the whole other side of the industry which is um academia you know colleges test centers um, you know, people doing cutting edge stuff out in the hobby market, and um, you know, even some of the little industrial markets, they're they're using what's called open source type stuff. They're using um, Pixhawk or the, there's all kinds of different things that they can use. Um, and the issue with all those things where they weren't secure. So the government saw some great capabilities coming out of these open source guys because they're all cutting edge people in universities and stuff, really pushing the limits of what drones can do. But they couldn't use any of it because it wasn't secure. Mm-hmm. So what we've come in is we, we're building a a brains the the flight controller for for the uh, for the drone, and that flight controller is going to be secure from the ground up. So you'll know what type of software you're running. It's going to put a partition in it to understand you know it one will check to make sure that what you're running is safe and after it checks that nothing else can get in and touch that um it'll make sure if your drone goes down so if the, they use it it automatically wipes all the data on it it'll encrypt the the, the command and control which you use to control it and which you use to see the pictures coming up and down so nobody else can hack into it take over your drone um, so we're putting all these security features in that will still run open source software uh, so we're trying to give them a secure place to use the most cutting-edge stuff that's coming out, and uh, so far it's been really successful and a lot of fun.
0: Cool, yeah, that does sound fun. I always <laughs> wanted to uh, get with you guys when you did one of your drone demonstrations and and uh, take part in that, but I never never could make that work out. But that 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 um, technology you're talking about right there sounds like you know one of these science fiction movies. I don't. Know, did you ever see the movie Stealth? It I have not. Jamie Foxx and Jessica Biel in it. Um, well,
1: I like Jessica Biel, so.
0: Oh, yeah, it's an older movie. I think it was 2005 or something like that. But basically, it was these uh, full, I mean, they're drone aircraft, but they're like fighter jet aircraft type thing that are, you know, completely automated. I mean, computers running them, it's not, you know, you don't have a driver, you know, driving. It. It's completely automated, so. You think we're headed that way in the technology of of drones to where they're you know completely self reliant?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, it's just a matter of time. Whether that's you know, it, it won't be in the next couple of years or anything. Yeah, uh, probably well, won't be in my lifetime when when, when that goes to or the very end of my life. Um,
0: you think we're that far away from it?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I, I, I think
0: mean, I think the government's got them running right now. Oh. I think you they're can make running anything, right any
1: vehicle that we drive today, any plane, any train, anything. You can make it autonomous, right? Yeah. Your biggest challenges are keeping a secure link. Um, you know, if you do something that works around the, the world, right?
0: You yeah. You know, that yeah. just
1: increases that. Um,
0: Satellites.
1: Yeah, which is one way of doing it. In the government stage, you can actually get away with that. Yeah. You know, when you look at all our aircraft today, though, and even the new F thirty five program, it's still designed with a pilot in mind. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the jumps going to come when you start designing that type of aircraft without the pilot.
0: Yeah. Um, There's no seat. <laughs> yeah.
1: No seat. You know, even though the whole way the future fuselage, excuse me, is designed is, you know, to, to encapsulate a person to control it up front. Mm-hmm. You know, so that whole dynamics going to shift when we really move to that next level. And I, and just for me, I haven't seen that shift yet. Right. Um, I mean, right now you can, you can make it autonomous, you know, that's, that's not, uh, you know, that's, that's capable right now, yeah. but you're really not optimized for that autonomy.
0: Yeah. Cause you still, like you said, you got the the communication issues staying, yeah. staying connected with it.
1: Yep. And you know, quite frankly, you know, the autonomy of a person is very hard to match from a computer in today's day and age. It's um, not to say it won't ever get up there, but you know, you know people, people can have situational awareness and, and, and can think right now ahead of computers in in most very complex situations. That's starting to change.
0: Um, Well, it's just like the, the you know, we were talking about the smart gun. Um, A gun's never going to be smarter than the person pulling the trigger. Exactly. The person behind the trigger.
1: You know, quite frankly, you're going to have other types of things probably come out before a smart gun ever really takes hold. I just, I never see that really working.
0: Yeah, it's not a good idea, especially at this juncture. So there's other things that uh, you guys had laid out there uh, on display uh, before, you know, before you went into your demonstration of the system we're going to talk about, which is the uh, fiber fiber optic detection system that you guys have developed, which is fucking phenomenal. I can't wait to talk about it. But I got some questions on the other stuff. There was this uh, on the far left when we were looking in the back. This 3D bridge um, <laughs> diagram. What what was that? That
1: was a lidar, um, a really high grade, you know, military lidar that we have uh, with some partners called Blackmore out in uh, Montana.
0: What's a lidar?
1: Also, uh, laser or light. Yeah. Um, um, detection and ranging. Okay. So when you use from from a from a gun world, when you use a rangefinder, you're basically shooting a laser out at at one point. And the reflection coming back measures how far that point is away from you. That's how a rangefinder works, right. right? So now think of, think of from one known point, I shoot out, I don't know, twenty thousand lasers every second, million lasers a second, whatever, at all points all around. Uh-huh. That's lidar. And when all those returns come back, I know how far away every single surface is that reflected. So I get a full 3D model. Of something of the world, basically, around me from those reflective points. So, if you think of it with your rangefinder, if you could take your rangefinder and, and shoot every single surface on that bridge, uh-huh. right? It's basically that's what this thing does.
0: It sends back an image.
1: Yep, it sends back an image from all those reflected points, and that image, you know, centimeter accuracy, sub-centimeter in some places if you really set it up, and you, you get a real interpretation of what that bridge is, all the nooks and crannies, everything. So So
0: you're finding maybe some cracks or flaws or something that the eye couldn't see.
1: Yeah. You know, the bridge was just a glamour shot, to be honest with you. It was just a really cool thing to take a 3D picture of. Right. Um, You know, that was a glamour shot. But uh, what we're really looking at it for was for base defense applications, um, because once you know where everything is, it's real easy to then tell what's moving and change detection. So once we know what the baseline is, this is what the environment around you looks like. Now I'm just scanning for anomalies or things that are moving. Um, perhaps think think of things. I can't really go too far into it, but you might be able to make some le- mental leaps.
0: Uh-huh. Perhaps
1: think about things that are more reflective than others.
0: Like a, eh, like mm. a piece of glass?
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that glass is very that reflective. That's piece very, of glass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And why you'd want to know if things like that were out there looking back at
0: you. Exactly. Um, yeah, so, that's cool. So
1: that's that's what the LiDAR is, and that lighter in particular can go a couple kilometers out uh, with very high accuracy, and uh, it also has what's called uh, Doppler capabilities, which can tell you know very quickly if something's moving towards you or away from you.
0: So you get real time feedback on this thing. So as it's shooting um, those out, you get
1: you you mm-hmm. on the, what you saw there on the bridge was what we took pictures. And afterwards, we post processed it into one picture. Um, the stuff we're working on is much more, uh, much closer to real time. Gotcha. So, you know, a second delay, something like that, two second delay.
0: Gotcha. Cool. So I saw that and I was intrigued by that because it, you know, it looked like you were coming up with the next um, uh, modern uh, warfare video game or something. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Uh, and then to the right of that, you had this um, this helmet thing that <laughs> looked like maybe a helmet that uh, you know somebody was afraid that you know their brain waves were being scanned by the government <laughs> or something so. the
1: tin foil helmet
0: the tin foil helmet well, right it,
1: It's actually a copper uh, foil helmet but uh, what we were doing with that on a, just a normal Kevlar helmet um, we basically built in an antenna on top of the helmet so um, what we were trying to solve downrange a lot of guys we use a whip antenna or something like that, it's real easy to pick out who the, who the radio man is and, you know, he, he becomes a target. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to, you know, distribute a very low weight antenna that actually used the shape of the head, um, safely. It was all shielded and everything. So, yeah. you know, it didn't fry your brain rate right, waves or anything. Right. Um, but, uh, and, and was able to transmit and yeah, so that's what that is. It's a helmet antenna.
0: So I wanted you put to... a helmet
1: cover on top of it and you don't even know it's there. You don't even see it.
0: So it gives the, the, the communications officer low profile, less detectable by the enemy. That's exactly takes right. The, takes the target <laughs> off his back.
1: And we built that one in-house. We didn't build that for a customer per se, and mm-hmm. we really didn't do anything with it. We, it was just an idea. We built it. It worked. You know, um, we, we, We've we just kind of had that one on the shelf for a while, and it was cool. So I said, hey, throw that out there.
0: Yeah, it looked, I wanted to try it on. And take, yeah. and take pictures but i didn't i didn't touch any of your stuff because i'm i'm notorious for breaking shit so
1: they don't like me touching shit either i have good <laughs> ideas but uh, the, the guys hate it when i touch shit too because i break shit
0: right yeah that's exactly what i do and then and then of course you had the artificial shoulder pocket was there we saw yep, that artificial
1: shoulder pocket and that's been uh we just got done with a test with the um with the british ministry of defense and uh the the, both the army and their Marine commandos, uh, at a war fighting exercise. Um, we just got the report from them, which came back, which it showed improvement in, uh, speed and accuracy for their best shooters. They have in the military, which were their, um, Royal Marine commando shooting team. Nice. So uh, if we helped the Royal Marine commando shooting team, um,
0: improve their speed, it, it, yeah. yeah improve speed and
1: accuracy on drills, they do all the time. And it was noticeable across the boards. Um, you know, my, my take on that is how much we can do for, for the guy who doesn't know how to shoot or, or very novice shooter.
0: Right. And um, And for those who don't know what the artificial shoulder pocket is for our new listeners, uh, what it is, it's a system that Brian has developed using rare earth magnets, um, that goes on. I mean, it'll, it'll fit on your, you know, your vest, your kit. Um, and it goes obviously where you shoulder your rifle. So uh, it implements a a rare earth magnet in the buttstock of the rifle and then the sh- the shoulder uh, area of the shooter. Is that is that a pretty like yeah, high level great. description of it.
1: Yep, no, that's great. And it was just a idea born from you know me and my guys trying to shoulder our weapons and getting very frustrated with the types of body armor that were you know interrupting a good shoulder weld. Um, you know that that's a that program's a labor of love uh, that program's got nothing to do with money for me. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a black hole of money, but, uh, <laughs> I, I believe in it. I, I really believe in it a hundred percent. And, um,
0: I know it was, uh, when you first released it, uh, it was very well received, uh, from the audiences that we, you know, we showed it to. And, uh, I mean, again, when, when I'm looking at your stuff and, and same thing with this fiber optic detection system that we're getting ready to talk about, I mean, my, my head just starts turning in all the different kind of uses and applications that, that, uh, that it could be used for. So speaking of that, let's go ahead, let's get into the fiber optic detection system, the FODs. Um, So give us, give us a, and I guess you can talk about this openly, right? I mean, is there any, I mean, there's probably some secret stuff that you can't reveal and talk about, but uh, to the level that you can describe it, describe this system for us.
1: Sure. No, I can describe it. It's commercially available now. Um, All my experience came from some classified military programs I worked on back in the day, but uh, now it's there's a commercially available v- version and uh, that we have. so now um, bottom line, uh, you know first of all it's I mean it's it's seriously cool stuff yeah. it really now is, obviously we're it's, using it's fiber optic wave yeah um, what's happening? you're taking just a standard fiber optic cable. Um, we can send that fiber optic cable in the commercial version up to hundred kilometers from one site. you know I need something you know a server rack for use and a server rack, which you know basically, uh, I don't know, six inches tall, you know, and about the depth of a server rack. Mm-hmm. And from there I can go hundred kilometers on, on fiber optic cable. And it breaks that fiber optic cable virtually, if you will, into five meter zones. So along that, you know, hundred kilometer path, I've got 500 channels out there. Excuse me, wow. 5,000 channels.
0: 5,000,
1: wow. Little five meter sections. Um, so 50 meter, excuse me, 50 kilometers away in one direction, I could tell you if there is a, somebody running, walking, digging, driving a vehicle, shooting a gun, climbing a fence. Um, I can tell the difference between a person and an animal. So a biped and a quadruped. Wow. Um, so basically the history of the systems came from, um, Uh, actually the Navy was was some of the first ones really playing with it. And it was the Navy sonar guys. So how it works is when you put energy down into the ground, when you walk, when you shoot a gun, when you do any of those things um, that energy stresses this buried cable and you read it with the lasers and each one of those stresses, all that energy you put in, whether you're walking or something has a unique fingerprint to it, a, a unique signature and basically, you're just looking for that signature over, you know, the distances of the cable. Um, so from a perimeter application or a pipeline or a railroad or or some some kind of linear asset uh, or perimeter, that's what it's really suited for. And, uh, I mean, it does it does a phenomenal job.
0: It does. And the demonstration that you did, you showed um, – you did several different, um, I guess, noise – um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh,
1: fuck. we did, we, we did different, you know, threat scenarios, basically threat scenarios, right.
0: Different, different noise, uh, you know, detecting different noise, threat scenarios, uh, not necessarily threats, but just different noises. So you could just, um, differentiate between what was a threat and what wasn't a threat. The cool thing about it is what you guys do is each, you know, like walking, a walking has a distinct kind of pattern. Running has a distinct pattern. Cutting a fence has a distinct pattern. So you guys can program this into your system. And once once you tell it that that pattern is a threat, then it'll alert you.
1: Yeah, and the, uh, the thing is, the real beauty of the system comes out when you start getting a little smarter than that and, and even taking that to the next level by saying, you know, in, in this area, my perimeter is right next to a road. Cars are going by all the time. So don't alert me when there's a car. But if a car stops and a person gets out and walks, you know, then I care. Right. Right. You know, or another location, you know, you might have a perimeter of an industrial facility or or utility, which is is where our first customers are in this. And there might be somebody that walks their dog every day. Right. You don't care if that person walks their dog every day. Right. But if your fence starts getting a hit and, you know, there's other activity inside your perimeter that you can see now, now that becomes, you know, that that's. That's how you discriminate with false alarms, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's zone based. You can you can zone it and say in this area here's what I care about, but over there I don't care about that type of signal. You know, everywhere I care about gunshots, but here I don't care about walking. Mm-hmm. You know, unless it's walking and fence. So you can compound those alerts, and it's all automated. Send it to your phone. Send it to a computer. Um, you know, alert the police automatically. Whatever people choose to do. You know, cameras are great, and and you know we use cameras in conjunction with these systems. But uh, sometimes cameras can't see because of line of sight issues. Cameras can't see because of darkness or fog Mm -hmm. or you know whatever. Um, This these systems work 24 hours a day, 365. Um, Really nothing nothing stopping them. They're three. We we bury it about three foot down the cable, so Mm -hmm. you, you can't see anything. Uh, it's completely covert most people will never even know how they got caught uh, if you try to cut the cable you know well how long does it take you to dig to three feet because i'm going to see you when you walk up when you put a shovel in the ground you know when you drive up i'm I'm going to see all that
0: right um, that's another s- distinctive sound digging you showed that you know, you showed your guy out there digging and you know it had a distinctive you know sound wave um, related to it as well so yeah, it's all automatic. There's Somebody's algorithms. trying to dig up your line, then you're gonna, you know, you're gonna know it's gonna send you an alert, and alarm.
1: And, and sometimes it's not even a a, 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 an actual security threat, if you will, but you know, on pipelines or or something else, other buried asset like that, it might be just you don't want anybody digging in that area. And a farmer is about to unload a back he's gonna unload a backhoe and start digging there because he's having a problem and he doesn't know that your pipeline's underneath.
0: Right. It. He's putting in a you fence know. or something, yeah. Yeah, he's
1: putting in a fence or something. I you'll I'll know the second the guy drives up that he's on your line. And and that's that preventative measure for assets is uh you know, that's really why it's gonna take off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's and you said it's a thousand kilometers?
1: Oh sorry, hundred. So hundred from kilometers? one spot. Okay. So, so commercial, the the longest length we can go is is 50 kilometers in each direction, and so 100 kilometers total.
0: So about 30 miles, yep. uh each direction.
1: Yep. But think about 30 miles away, you can know if somebody's walking.
0: Oh, that's that's huge.
1: Yeah, and, and on you know most perimeters uh, of even large facilities, you know six to nine miles is a, is is kind of an average. You know five to nine miles, five to ten, whatever you want. Yeah. So we have smaller boxes that cover those types of ranges um and there's things you can do for cut resilience so you can if you have a 10 mile you put two channels on it one channel looking each way on the same 10 mile loop and if somebody cuts it you're still live um you know on both directions so yeah, yeah we use those like i said I had a lot of experience using them overseas um and we still personally uh you know we have what well, was the government version? But that's still government only. You know, we're a private company that's selling that back to the government. Mm-hmm. Um, that one I can't give to consumers, um, but we have one that's very similar um, with probably ninety percent of the capability that's uh, that's available to uh, um, commercial users.
0: So, give uh, give an example of how you used it in the military.
1: I can't really go into too much there, um, but again, you can use your imagination. Uh, yeah. Linear assets that needed to be protected in a in a war zone or, or a border. Um,
0: but he so. could detect like um, what you were telling us, like sheep. Uh, oh here. yeah,
1: yeah, overseas, yeah. I can Got I can a, tell you that one. Yeah. We we had an icon. You know, here you have an icon that says. You know, It's this, it's that, whatever you care about. A, hey, that's a walker, that's somebody driving a car. Well, there, one of the ones we had was for sheep because there was a certain area that, you know, we, you know, you get hits and, and you just didn't know what it was. You knew it, you know, and it turned out to be sheep. So we just put a little sheep icon up there. It
0: was, it was kind of fun. <laughs> Cause there's a lot of sheep herders over there. They there don't.
1: were a lot of sheep. And that, that's something we didn't really care about that much, right? You know, um, you know, it was nice to know when they were coming through.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's only so much I can go into on the on the government stuff, but uh, yeah,
0: yeah, that's...
1: it's uh, it. The technology is is amazing, and and where it was, you know, it started off in governments. Commercially, the first place it's it went to was big oil and gas.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely could see it, it there. Yeah,
1: yeah, but very very expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, just cost prohibitive for most other users. Um, but you're also
0: it, saying that um, size seismic activity, so earthquakes. Um, Oh yeah.
1: Lightning strikes, earthquakes, earthquake, if you've got a long linear asset and you're worried about damage along that asset, when an earthquake hits, the system will immediately tell you where the most, uh, uh, the strongest waves were, were hitting from that earthquake. And that's the place I'd send my response, you know, first.
0: Right. Uh, And then there was some, uh, some oceanic, uh, applications for it. Um, Yeah.
1: I, I don't personally get into the ocean stuff a lot. Um, I've played with it a little I've been places they do it but yeah they're they're definitely looking at some
0: yeah. more marine
1: type applications for it. Yeah. It's a it's a different it's a different um, problem set though in in mm-hmm. those noisy type environments.
0: Right. Uh, right. But I mean that's the application like I say my mind was just running when I saw this, you know, geological, you know, the geolo- geological uses uh, of it like avalanches, earthquakes, uh-huh. Oh, my
1: guys rung a uh, – look it up. There's a little tiny place called Pagan Island out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, like literally a couple hundred miles from Saipan. Um, or, and, and they uh, they basically went out there and rung a, a, a volcano that some years ago the volcano on Pagan um, erupted and, and basically all the people had to evacuate the island, right? So they went and, and put this stuff on for, for the government, and they put it on the volcano, and they were monitoring remotely this volcano. Um, <laughs> I, I'm never sure. My, my guys worked on it. We we didn't really do the data part of it. We did other parts of it. But, right. Uh, so I'm not sure what happened to it or anything like that, but uh, yeah.
0: Once, yeah, so I just Googled it. A little
1: it. Uh, vacation, if you will, out in the middle of uh, the Pacific.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm just googling. I pulled up some images and there's like uh, you can see smoke coming out of that volcano.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's out there too, man. I mean, look at the map.
0: Yeah, it's it's out there in no man's land.
1: Yes, it is way out there. It's deserted. It's kind of cool thing though. The only way to get there, especially with all the equipment we needed, was um to use there was an old landing craft. So, I I'm talking about an old school
0: um, like amphibious deal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like a landing ship tank LST.
0: Oh, that's nice. What it is.
1: So they actually have, you know, some guy that probably requisitioned it after the war, right. Um, it's still running and that you load up all your stuff, you know, all your equipment in this thing. And they, they took my guys to the volcano and they, they, you know, install it on the volcano, <laughs> do their job. Right. But the funny thing, we have to have a helicopter at all times on standby because you know, it's an active volcano that's, you
0: know, you got some brave guys that want to go around an active volcano, and
1: yeah, right, was, they said it was gorgeous for the first day or two, and then it got old
0: because <laughs> there's just, nothing there. There's nothing else there. Huh? There's nothing there. So they're so, actually just they were on the island itself. Oh yeah, man, that's some brave guys right there. Yep, it's decent they had the island. had the helicopter on standby in case they needed to do a quick evac. Yeah, or any
1: you know medical issues that arise or something like that. Because again, look at the distance. I mean, yeah. you're, you're talking.
0: This looks like one of those islands that would be great for that TV show, uh, what's it, Survivor? Survivor. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's that kind of place, man. I mean, it is out there.
0: Or maybe this is where they filmed Lost. Did you I, ever you watch know, that show?
1: I doubt they tried to film it there because this place is, I mean, I, I don't even know the stats, but just, just go on Google Maps and just type in Poggin Island and then zoom out and look how far away any type of civilization
0: is. It's nowhere. <laughs> it's, there's another little bitty island. There's an even smaller one, and there's an even smaller one right there. Yeah. Northern Mariana Islands. Yep. I mean, it's out in just the deepest of the North Pacific Ocean. <laughs> Japan. I guess it's like in between Japan and New- Papua, New Papua New Guinea. Papua. And, and the
1: <laughs> Philippines. It's kind of the triangle. It's a very close to the same latitude that uh, Hawaii's on.
0: Guam, I guess there's another. People may have heard it's close, closest yeah, Guam, to Guam. Guam's probably the closest spot. Yeah. But you got those other little bitty dot islands out there too. And as you zoom in, there's even little smaller ones that that pop up so you so you guys were out there man kudos to them holy cow yeah.
1: i actually wanted to go to be honest with you but uh
0: i would want to go i mean i bet I there's just, some good scuba diving out there too oh, i'm
1: sure there's all that shit i just uh did
0: you guys you know, take just, any scuba gear
1: no they didn't do and, and in fact they got you know obviously as you can imagine a place that isolated and remote you know a government program and we tried to use local stuff to buy and to use labor and you know all these things yeah um but you know there's a lot of poverty out there and and stuff like that so after a while the guys are just getting you know they're trying to give everything they got and just people are just want
0: more and more and more and more and don't have
1: it to give and it got a little uh you know so it's out there though
0: it is It is. that's cool so that's a cool application for it uh, yeah, no, that
1: was, that was, that was cool. And there, there's been all kinds of stuff, you know, right now we're looking from the government side on, on borders. Of course, that's a very popular topic right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we were kind of doing that before it was cool and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we're still in that space and, and, you know, we're, we'd like to see it on the U S border. So, and there's talks about that. And, um, you know, the, the next stuff is, uh, you know, nuclear facilities, but then everything, too, as benign as utilities on the commercial side is really what we're going after. Mm-hmm. Utility companies and...
0: Um, well, like you said, digging. I mean, um, I can see utilities, just local utility companies, you know, being able to, to benefit from this, too. Because, you know, you always got people digging in their backyards and, you know, hitting gas lines.
1: Exactly. And and those are the people we're talking to.
0: Yeah. So they could immediately get an alert Said, oh, freaking Joe Bob's out there putting in a fence. I'm getting ready to hit our gas line. They're supposed to call, you know, you're supposed to call before you start digging. But a lot of people don't do that.
1: Yeah. Call before you dig.
0: So do you have this uh, on your website? The the FODs? You know,
1: it's not on our website. uh, A lot of things don't ever go on our website. Um, Honestly, it's just now that I can just start talking about it. Like before I couldn't even talk about it um and and there's a new organization called the fiber optic sensing association that just started and they're kind of trying to get it more more uh publicity and more well known yeah. i was kind of against that because i think something like this needs to stay quiet i wouldn't even be talking to you or holding that demo um, if it wasn't for some of these other changes happening, cause yeah, from our perspective, you know, the quieter you keep something like that, the better your clients are.
0: No, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, uh, but it's coming out in other places. So, you know, we decided Cat's out of the bag. Yeah. Yeah. It's out of the bag. You can't beat them. You, you join them at some point. So,
1: right. um, no, it eventually we'll have all that up there and I'm working on getting it now. It, it uh,
0: now you're just going to be, you know, you're just going to have to come up with uh, more ways that it can't be defeated so which is going to improve the technology which is good
1: absolutely and there's just a natural evolution of that stuff i didn't want it to start this soon but it started so uh you know we, we adapt to our environment and keep moving
0: well i was very impressed with it and like i said i my wheels were turning coming up with all kinds of applications for this um if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, they just go to Asymmetric Technologies if they're interested in this product. Yeah, I know we got hard. a lot of, you know, we got a lot of commercial people that listen to this, military, obviously, uh, law enforcement that listen.
1: Yeah, Asymmetric Technologies um, is the name of the company, and asymmetric.com, um, and you, you can call into the main site. You can, you know, heck, any any of the lead heads reach out to you.
0: To get Absolutely, my
1: stuff. I don't like to throw my stuff out there willy-nilly, because we we get too much junk. I got you.
0: uh, Yeah, just reach out to uh, talkingledgmail.com. If you've got a question for Brian, uh, you can shoot it to me at talkingledgmail.com. If you've got some ideas and maybe some other applications to where this uh, could be useful, uh, send those to us as well. We'll get those to Brian. He'll get in touch with you, talk to you about that. Uh, And
1: one of the other things, you know, when you have existing cameras around a perimeter, you can use this the fiber optic to, to backhaul all that information from all your other sensors, but you can also use it to tip and cue your cameras. So our system gets an alert. It automatically tells your camera to look at that. Right. Um,
0: right. Yeah. That's something that we didn't talk about.
1: Yeah. We have four cameras for the demo
0: we Had four cameras set up. Uh, and then it was like a split screen. We saw all four cameras. Then over to the right uh, was the, the FOD system in action. And uh, it was basically vertical, lines going up and down so each perimeter had its own section and then as something was detected then those waves would show up and they would all be very distinctive and depend depending on the intensity you, you know it, it could tell you different intensity levels like you were telling us i mean you can detect uh the weight of something i mean you can't do you know specific weight but you can tell something heavier something's heavier than uh, a person you know if a car comes by or like the backhoe when it was doing its work, uh, it's very distinctive.
1: Yeah, and those uh, those things—if you had an application like at a at a facility, right—we can see when somebody opens the gate to your facility, right? We can see if a truck comes every Thursday, and that truck on one Thursday, random, is either way too heavy or way too light, right? We, we'll we'll sense that automatically. It's those anomalies. Yeah that you really over time you get a pattern of life from this system Mm -hmm. here's how life looks like seismically in your operations right and we look for anomalies and we investigate those anomalies and and there's both operational things that you gain from that and security because if you remember we showed the generator the generator was out running just you know the generator's running and this was the signal that the generator had we put the choke on the generator and that the choke on the generator now turns on a whole different signal uh, on our system. So we know that that generator is not operating correctly. So that would be something to say, hey, your generator is about to run out of gas in a yeah, choke right. scenario. Or, you know, hey, that piece of equipment there is resonating differently than it does than it normally does. If you're talking about an electric, um, you know, maybe a transformer or, or some other piece of equipment isn't working how it normally does. We'll see that just, just its normal resonance. And, uh, and also you'll see, you know, complex attacks, right? I, I can see it's five meter zones. So around your entire perimeter, I can see uniquely in five, in five meter zones. So if three different people are, are, are hitting you from three different places, I'll see them all at once. Um, you know, if you'll see high intensity and low intensity, um, or frequency, um, we can catch those within the same zone.
0: Yeah, and uh, like you said, you could program your cameras to once they detect something, they can just automatically swing over so you can you can get a visual also.
1: Yep, and that's what we normally would do with people that have, um, you know, integrated
0: systems. Right, right. Well, very good. Now, is there anything uh, that you can talk about, you know, that you guys are, you got in the works coming up in the future?
1: You know, um, you're always. always I mean, I love something.
0: innovation. Yeah, I love innovation. I know you guys are. You know, very innovative company. You're always coming up with cool ideas and products. Um,
1: we got more ideas than we have time or money. <laughs> money and time.
0: That's the um, main thing.
1: You know, mostly right now we're 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 hugely focused on the fiber optic stuff um, as a, as an entire company, just because it's such a big market and and we have such a good position in it. Yeah. Um. But You know, there's always a few things churning, and my applied development guys are working on a few things, but can't really talk about them yet.
0: I got you. I got you. But when they do become available, we'll talk about them here on Talking Lead.
1: Which is great. This is about the only place I talk about my
0: stuff. (laughs) I think it is. Yeah, (laughs) I'm
1: literally not a big talker on this kind of stuff. Well, a lot of this stuff you do, like you and and shooting guns. So
0: there's a lot of stuff that you can't talk about, and uh, you know that's understandable. Secret squirrel kind of stuff. But what we can talk about is, you know, we we did the, the demonstration, did business first, and then we went out and we had some fun, a little pleasure shooting where the guys from Tusker Arms uh, came out again with their just unbelievable collection of fully auto rifles, um, submachine guns. It it was freaking phenomenal. They
1: served weapons even.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they had a... An MG forty two out there from uh, was that World War Two? Yep, World Hitler's War... buzz saw. Hitler's buzz saw. Um, they had a night Browning nineteen nineteen. Your favorite, the Browning Bar.
1: I love the Bar, man. That is a that is a hell of a gun, and I I just have mad respect from from my time in the military, knowing what I carry, just to thinking of the guys in World War Two carrying those bars, um, and and even some at the end of World War One, I, I think.
0: Yeah, and then you had a saw. There was saw out there. Yep. Um, I don't know. There was there were some other ones too. Uh, of course, you had the Barrett fifty cal. We were freaking knocking steel down with that. We actually were trying to cut a tree in half <laughs> with that. Um, yeah, the
1: fifty is always a crowd pleaser.
0: Did you go take pictures of that tree afterwards?
1: No, I I,
0: I, I meant think to go. Somebody's
1: and, probably got one. Uh, you know, honestly, it takes a lot more than we think because uh, we didn't. Um, we didn't do that good of a job on it. I'm sure the tree wasn't happy. And don't worry, there's thousands of them on that property for oh, all yeah. the huggers.
0: That was, that was one that was getting ready to go down anyway. So Yeah,
1: it was going down.
0: Um, um, I know I put 10, 10 rounds in it, and I took a huge chunk out, but it was still standing.
1: Um, the, the right side probably had about a two to three inch... Um, Gap in it, but honestly, the rest of it was doing pretty good. That was it.
0: That's all I took out,
1: (laughs) yeah, two to three inches because
0: that's the side I was was shooting at the right side over there. And you, I could see the wood flying when I would hit it, too. Yep. And what was cool uh, is there was a one of them was a tracer round, I hit it with a tracer round.
1: Yeah, I remember the smoke on that one. See that one,
0: but that
1: bar, I mean. That bar, the 50, obviously, I mean, it's come on. I mean, you feel the 50, right? Oh my you gosh. Know, that's how you experience it. It shakes your that BAR at, at you know, almost a, I'm just guessing it's a 15 pound weapon. I could probably Google it. Um, you know, yeah, shooting that pound something in there.
0: 30 30 round.
1: Yeah, that thing's a beast. That's my favorite gun. And Mark brings that one out for me every time. So, uh, uh, great thanks to Mark and the guys at Tusker Arms. Um, it was. It was a hell of a shoot. I think everybody had a lot of fun and got to shoot things that, you know, some of those are bucket list guns, once-in-a-lifetime guns for a lot of those people that they'll never see, or let alone get a, get the ability to shoot.
0: Oh, I mean, the, the variety that he had, I wish I could remember the other guns that he had out there. Uh, you yeah, just don't uh, see some that.
1: HKs. Uh, he had a, C's, uh, a Czechoslovakian um, machine gun there on the uh, belt feds, yeah. on the serves. But, uh, and then he had, of course, all the rifles, all your AKs, all your, you know.
0: Yeah, he had the M16, uh, he had the AK, he had um, um, a micro Uzi.
1: He had the micro, the mini, and the regular Uzi out there.
0: He had all three varieties, and those things would dump a magazine in less than a second. <laughs> it, was just, it was just like yep. pulling, pulling your lawnmowers, like, just done like that.
1: Yeah, the uh, and for all the kids out there, be careful with your uh, micro UZIs. They're uh, <laughs> they're dangerous. You really got to have a handle on them. Know what you're doing. That's a dangerous gun if you don't. But uh, it's a lot of fun, and it dumps it just like that. My my favorite of all the ones he had out there. I and I have this gun, of course, the FN P90. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a fully automatic version, and I tell you what, that is something.
0: I didn't that get to is, shoot that one. I didn't see the P90. Oh, uh, yeah. It
1: went down. It had a little malfunction. Um, oh, so okay. So probably by the time you got over there, worked your way over, it was out of commission. But that, commission. I within 100 yards, I am completely dead on with my semi-automatic, one of those. And I absolutely love it. And this is the first time I've had the opportunity to shoot the fully the full automatic. Auto. and I mean, wow. Just wow. I mean, yeah. the firepower and the accuracy that I could put down with that thing was, it. it that was phenomenal. That was my favorite. of of those style of guns. um,
0: Well, the frame on the, I mean, they're, they're so compact and then the way it's designed, I mean, you can just really get a good brace on that thing and hold it in place.
1: Yeah. And we were shooting at, you know, steel targets from, you know, 500 steel at maybe, I don't know, 25 meters, something like that. Maybe a little. And, uh, you know, with a lot of the other guns, even, you know, with a, with a fully automatic gun, it's, it's for, for somebody who's untrained, it's hard to keep your rounds, you know, where they should be. And, um, well, you, you know, had trained a few
0: times, trained professionals on hand that were keeping an eye on everybody. Oh, yeah. You know, getting that, that hand back there. I know a lot of the, you know, I'm not being a, um, a feminist or anything. Uh, not feminist, but a, uh, I guess feminist. A lot of the women would, you know, find themselves going backwards. <laughs> you know, instead well, of leaning know, into it, it they lean back. Body weight,
1: a simple body weight and. Yeah. And,
0: upper and, body strength. You
1: know, upper body strength and stuff like that. So it's not, you but, know, after it is, what
0: it is. but what I found out is after they shot them, you know the first time they got the hang of it, and they were oh, yeah. you know they were they were in there and and hanging in you know just as good as some of the guys um but uh the, and they have the
1: best I gotta tell you you know, so this is whatever it is showing mean, this is, but I love the machine gun smile Sorry. on uh, some of those ladies out there. So that was, that was great.
0: Oh my, even, even the, even the dudes, the Amish guys that were <laughs> out there. So you had a couple of Amish guys that helped yeah, you with Irvin some of your and his
1: guys. They do a lot of work for us down there at the property and uh, put up some buildings and, you know, do some other, you know, a lot of wood type craft.
0: I think uh, they were the guys. So we invited them
1: to the shoot and they were very excited to uh, get behind. They didn't I, load any of the guns, but they did shoot.
0: them. They did shoot. I, I think they were probably the most excited Facial, I mean, their facial expressions of anybody that I saw there, uh, they and they shot everything too, boy. They were just like getting on it and, oh yeah, me next, me next. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, no, it was great, man. But uh, they
0: were tearing it up when they got on that fifty. Oh my gosh, the look on their faces—it was priceless. Yeah, and now we my did, f- by the
1: way. You you mentioned safety real quick. I mean, this was a you know, this was a, you know, we take safety extremely extremely um, seriously. Yeah. So we had, you know, trained range personnel, every single person, every single person had an assigned range safety with them while they shot, you know, one to one ratio. Yeah. Um,
0: you that was very well, very well put together, organized event. And uh, man, it was awesome. I appreciate you doing that. My favorite to shoot was the Thompson submachine gun. Still. Uh, I love shooting that 45 uh, through that Thompson, man. It's just, it's so smooth, you know. It
1: is so smooth. I, I I'd say it's like you're just like throwing bullets downrange with it's, that thing.
0: It's just it's just like butter, man. It's just like it's so that smooth. It, and it's quick too.
1: It is quick. The drums. I saw you were you were shooting some sticks. I, I got an opportunity to shoot a couple of drums. Oh, it. did you
0: do and the uh, drums? Nice.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, man, it's just a. It's a beast. I mean, it is a great weapon,
0: though. I mean, that, that's
1: probably going to be my next purchase, personally. The Chicago
0: uh, typewriter.
1: Yeah, I'm probably gonna get one of those just because it's a fun gun to shoot, right? I oh mean, yeah, and everybody likes it, and it's also very easy to control um, compared to some of the other guns.
0: Well, and yeah, that's what, yeah, it's very easy to control as far as a full auto goes um, compared to that nine millimeter Uzi that we were shooting. Oh yeah, it was, and we're shooting a forty five. I mean, you would expect forty five to be a lot harder to control than a nine millimeter, but uh, night and day as far as controllability, the Uzi versus that uh, that Thompson.
1: Did you shoot the MAC-10?
0: I did. I shot it um, two years ago. I shot two it. Two years ago, yeah. yeah the, the suppressed one?
1: Yeah. yeah that's, that's the ghetto dumpster there. That's what I call it <laughs> that one. Just, it just dumps that mag like... It's just... It, yeah. It's, there's nothing refined about it. It's just like...
0: <laughs> it's just a freaking chainsaw, man. It just chews through those bullets. How many rounds did that hold?
1: Uh, it's 25 or 30. I don't remember. 25 or
0: 30. I mean, it's less than a second it dumps that. Yeah. It's crazy. So what what are your plans for next year?s you, You're gonna you're gonna up it? Yeah, you know, I mean, you're go bigger, better. Go, you
1: know, I think we're gonna. It's it'll probably be similar to how it was this year. I mean, I, honestly, we threw out all the stops this year. I,
0: no, we gotta know, get some binary out there, man. Get yeah, some,
1: you know, we could do that. Uh, you know, uh, the the we we can throw some binary up on the hill.
0: Get some binary and some bleeding targets from uh, Triumph Systems. Triumph. Triumph Systems, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cue got me those, into
1: that when we do our planning for next year. We'll tag you in. You can tell us all the newest lead, uh, uh,
0: all the lead new targets and stuff. And we
1: can uh, we can check them out.
0: Definitely, man. I know some people that would be down with that, no doubt. So real quick, uh, before we we sign off, getting getting close for us to sign off here. I've got a email from one of the lead heads, uh, and his name is George with a J B. And you know who you are, George. I don't know. J J O R G E. Would you pronounce that George or Jorge? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, George, you, you're going to have to send me a phonetic, uh, how you say your name. But I'm going to go with George right now with a J. Um, so he pointed out we had a mistake in last week's uh, show when we had Joe and, and Charlie on. Charlie mistakenly said that OJ was paroled from California and we threw the California penal system on the, uh, the jack wagon train. It was actually Nevada.
1: Nevada. Yeah. He, you know, he,
0: accidents he got... happen. People, you know, make mistakes. Uh, we were talking about some California stuff prior to that. So I can see where he,
1: California deserves it though. Beca- I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> I mean, California, even though, you know, Jorge, I know you're from there. Jorge, George, <laughs> uh, the Huntington beach area but uh, uh Charlie meant no harm in that, so Nevada uh, I'm not throwing Charlie on the jack wagon train for making that mistake. I've done it several times as well, uh, but uh we're making the correction here, so the Nevada penal system is being thrown on the jack wagon train along with Californias. Why not <laughs> <laughs> so also, um George had submitted some ideas for the talking lead uh. Lead Head Logo Design Contest. And uh, he wanted me to to read these out to you guys, even though his, his wasn't selected. So he had a couple ideas. Uh, fantastical Talking Lead Head Designs. So one is left hand sitting on top of a saddled horse-sized yak that's shooting lasers out of his eyes. <laughs> so so eh, on that one, George, uh, Lefty's Gorgeous Long... Wind-blown hair is swaying in the wind like Fabio on the cover of a romance novel. <laughs> <laughs> Check his
1: glamour shots from the uh, from the 90s. He's probably got one he can use.
0: Right, exactly. Lefty is wearing a white Star Wars Stormtrooper tactical vest that has a talking-led tactical patch on it. Lefty is holding the Yak's raids with his left red C three PO arm, rocking his Glock in his right hand while aiming and shooting down zombies. So I like how he's he's like combining genres here with, you know, the Star Wars sci fi with the zombie world. I kinda kinda dig that.
1: He's he's getting me a good mind's eye. Right? Everything except the romance novel.
0: There you go. And then he says, in the background, fireworks are going off in the sky while an F-18 flies overhead with the American flags waving in the air. That's a pretty America. good one. America. But, uh, no, George, although those were whimsical ideas, the whole idea was to come up with a, a design for you, the listener, the leadhead, not me. It's not about me. It's about you guys. And uh, those top three... We will be posting soon. They're doing a couple of tweaks to them. I'd ask that uh, they they do a few things to those three finalists, and um, you guys are really going to like these. Once we get them posted, I want you guys to vote on them, choose your favorite, and then that's the one we're going to do a new T-shirt, a new patch of. So stay tuned for that. I'll be letting you guys know when you can go vote on those. So, Brian, what we did is we had a contest uh, asking the Leadheads to design their own logo, something that they would be proud to wear sport, you know, on a t-shirt that represents them, the lead head listener of Talking Lead. And we got a great response on that.
1: Cool. Be excited to see what they come up with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we're giving you guys another week on the uh, Atlas Defense trivia question, where you're going to be able to win a cool Atlas Defense prize package that's going to have t-shirts, their bourbon bullets, their shot glasses, a couple of other items from their, their swag store there. Um, so, you got another week or so on that. So, get your answers in. Go back to last week's episode to find out what you got to do to enter to win. And
1: so. I got one for you.
0: Okay. Well, you we kind
1: of talked about getting, I, I was going to get it right on site. And I admittedly, you know, I, I don't have a lot of experience with, with optics on my weapons. I mean, I had an mm-hmm. ACOG in the military. I bought one when I got out, I, I used that, I loved it. Um, you know, but I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to progress a little bit. I, I really was impressed with the right on binoculars. Cool. So maybe we asked the lead heads, what should I get on my new gun? I've got this gorgeous Nordic components five, five, six, okay. what from right on should I put on it?
0: Okay, there you go. That's perfect. So go to Riteon on USA's website, look at the different scopes that they have available. And, Brian, give them them a little bit of uh, suggestions on how you're going to use your your new AR. I'll
1: just kind of talk about me a little bit and how I shoot. Like, you know, within a couple hundred meters, I'm going to use iron sights. I'm going to put a 45-degree iron sight on the side. A couple hundred meters, I'm using iron sights. That's my preference. I like it. Um, You know, I want to reach out a little bit. And, of course, with the 5.56 platform, there's only so far you can go. But, you know, from that, I want to get dead on in that 200 to – to 4 maybe even 500 meter range which is mm-hmm. about all my ranges can support anyway right now. Um I you know if again 556 five, platform um you know I don't want something massive. You
0: now know, are you going to be doing any hunting with this?
1: You know, I'm not a hunter. I just okay. like to shoot. I shoot a lot. What
0: about varmint um, to eradication? You going to be doing any varmint eradication? Coyotes, um, um groundhogs. You know, dogs, you know nah, I I really
1: don't do any of that stuff don't where I live. Okay. You no know, it, it takes care of itself pretty much. Um, don't really have any issues.
0: Okay, so Brian has a really nice range, and like he said, you know, he goes out to about you know five hundred meters or so. Um, go to Ride On USA. Go to their their website R I T O N. Look at the uh, the scopes that they have there, and uh, pick out the one that you think would best suit Brian's needs.
1: Yeah, and I'm you know a lot of shooting experience, but I just I, I just never really knew much about optics maybe that's because i didn't hunt and didn't you know do some of those other things and in the military one time a one by four you know acog was uh, you know that was the best thing i ever got my hands on and i really liked it of course in in my time in afghanistan bought one when i came home that's on my 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 other um my other 556 rig yeah Uh, but for this one i I was kind of looking to you know try something new get a little farther out and, uh, there you I go. just, the one thing I'm interested in, I don't want to be too big. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to, you know, have you this want to lightweight it. gun yeah. and just have this massive scope on it. You know what I mean? So,
0: so, so something, that, something that's going to fit with the gun. So what you got to do is you guys, um, you got to go back and listen to our ride on USA episode where we had Brady on and we announced him as being the official optic sponsor of talking lead. And, uh, we get into the basics like I said, uh, we're going to progress that with Brady in future episodes to where we're going to get more advanced in our discussions uh, of optics and the use of optics. Uh, so, Brian, you could benefit from, from uh, listening. I'm going to listen to all those, and I appreciate it. To those, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, speaking of, we've got another lead head that sent an email in, Jerry B., Jerry has some suggestions. He wrote in and says, so I was thinking about education and what I could use more information about. Uh, he said, I also asked my son, and here are some things we came up with. One, when considering a 300 blackout, what are the advantages of a pistol length versus a rifle length? A, I've had, uh, let's see, I've heard some say the 300 blackout rifle is not a good hunting rifle. <clears throat> why or why not? Uh, I don't know why it wouldn't be. Um, ballistics, <clears throat> some, bu- some basic guidance. When looking at an AR15, what grain size is better choice for home defense? B, when considering subsonic ammo, what is a good round for hunting deer with various calibers, 308, 6, AR platforms both 15 and 10, etc. There are lots of choices for handgun type round guns being offered, so the pistol caliber carbines is what he's talking about. Uh, you can get 9mm, 45 etc. in a rifle. Um and he says, for example, Palmetto State or even uh, Kel-Tec Sub-2000, um, even uh, High Point for that matter, they make a, a, a nice um, rifle carbine. Why would I choose this type of rifle? What is the best use for a rifle of this type? How do the ballistics for this type of rifle match up or compare to AR platform or other rifles, for example? Are these better as home defense guns? Uh, let's see. He loved the show on optics and suppressors. He wants more uh, info on that. As you we said, we're going to be doing more of those. Uh, he wants to get Zeke the Squatch back on uh, and talk <laughs> and talk about the Sonoran Desert Institute and uh, how their programs would help under understand firearms and benefit um, uh, firearm owners. And let's see maybe a teaser tidbits from some of the courses if Zeke. If not Zeke, then someone else. Uh, I'm sure Zeke would want to would wanna do that, so I'm sure that wouldn't be too hard to get Zeke on, and we could talk about some uh, gunsmithing courses that they offer, uh, which I highly recommend. I mean, if you're going to own firearms, you need to know how to work on your firearms, no doubt. Just from the, the few courses that I took from SDI, I, mean, I learned a ton. So, yeah, definitely would be beneficial to take some sort of a gunsmithing course. Uh, let's see. A few weeks of shows prior to Black Friday show that will help us wade through the overwhelming deals, discounts, and bargains. Uh, if you guys will just use Talking Leads discount code, Leadhead, uh, most of our sponsors and a lot of the friends of the show uh, extend a discount to you guys uh, yearly before Black Friday. Now, obviously, Black Friday people run just ridiculously great deals. So, uh, uh, we'll definitely let you know when those deals are out there. Uh, but we don't know a few weeks before because a lot of these companies don't know until maybe the day or two days before what kind of sale they're going to have anyway. So uh, it's it's not us. Uh, it's the companies holding these, these sales. So life-saving techniques and equipment. Uh, yeah, I probably need to do a revised show or a, a recent show talking about um, – Life-saving first aid uh, type type stuff. So we'll get somebody on and talk about first aid and things like that. And you know, if after you shoot somebody or somebody stabbed, how to to help with those kind of wounds? Because you're going to use that. I mean, quite frankly, you're going to use you're going to need medical skills um, before you'll need gunfighting skills. Because you're going to be driving down the road and see somebody that's hurt, or you know, walking through the mall, and you know, you might need to help somebody. So pretty important to know first aid. Let's see information regarding setting up a trust for guns, silencers, suppressors, and we've done a lot of these this stuff that you're talking about in past shows. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could do some some recent I shows. I Did that about a
1: couple, you know, about a year ago. I set up my trust.
0: Wow, well, awesome,
1: good. for Yeah, you. it was pretty easy, honestly. I it mean, is.
0: It's pretty easy. It's pretty inexpensive. Uh, yeah, now, as far as gun gun trusts go, now, I you mean, know, Obama got that law passed that. Uh, Now, you know, everybody on the trust now, I think, has to have a background check and, you know, do some things. But still a good idea to have one set up if you're going to own, um, NFA type items. So, yeah, we'll get, uh, probably get Joe back on and and talk about that a little bit. we did talk about it a while back with VSO Gun Channel, Curtis Halstrom. Uh, I do recall that we did, uh, it was right before they were getting ready to pass that law, we were talking about it, so... Very good. All right. So, any of you lead heads, you got questions? You got suggestions for the show? You got jack wagons? You want to throw in the jack wagon train? You got suggestions for facts to fight the myths? Email those to us at talkinglead at gmail And please, wherever you're listening to this show, where it's iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, you know your favorite podcasting um, app, leave us some feedback. You know, do a review on there for us because that helps us in the ratings. Um, and Even if you're not, download an app and go leave us a review anyway. <laughs> so, uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Brian, thank you so much again for being on the show, taking the time. I know um, you've got a busy weekend ahead of you here, and uh, that was just a great shoot that you had again. Uh, I hope you continue to do that every year.
1: Yeah, no, man, and we'll keep inviting you out, dude. It's fun to have you there. And uh, once we get a, we got a lot of video. We this year we had a, a dedicated video and uh, camera crew out there, so I'll make sure we share those pictures with you.
0: Awesome, very good. And we'll be posting those in the, the those videos and those pictures, so you guys make sure you check our social media. Uh, I've got a great video of the the demonstration that you did, and uh, I'll be working with Brian, and if he gives me the thumbs up, I'll post that on YouTube, so you guys can actually see. This uh, FOD in action. It's it's pretty impressive.
1: Appreciate yeah. it, man. Thank you.
0: Big thanks to all our sponsors Frontier Tactical. Check them out at FrontierTactical.com. X Steel Targets. X-SteelTargets.com. Modern Spartan Systems. Check them out at Modern Right on USA, the official optics of talking lead. And make sure you guys uh, submit some suggestions for Brian for which uh, which piece of glass he needs to put on his AR. 15, uh, email those, it. email those to me at talking at gmail.com
1: optics noob.
0: There you go. Well, I am too. And, you know, that's what I was talking about in our, in our episode when we got Brady on. And that's why I wanted to get those guys on as a sponsor is, uh, you know, I've I really immersed myself into, you know, the rifles and the handguns and, you know, the ins and outs of that and taking gunsmithing courses. And I never really got into the optics. Uh, but you, know, you talk to 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 most of the experts, and they will tell you that you know the optics is the most important thing that you can have you know on your rifle. And uh, you know a lot of them say you're supposed to spend double the amount you spend on your rifle. Which you know I don't buy that horse shit right now because Right On USA their optics are extremely affordable and they are of you know probably some of the highest quality that I've seen. Um, now, like they say, they don't compete with Loopold or you know some of those ten thousand dollar price scopes, but their optics are just as good, if you know, if not better than some of those. And then it's a veteran-owned company, family-owned, um, com- completely honest, honest, and they've got the best warranty, Brian, in the industry. If you don't like your scope, they give you, you know, for any reason. Uh, I think it's like ninety days or something like that. You can send it back. And they'll give you a refund. If at any wow. time during the life of your scope, it breaks, you send it in, and they're not going to they are not gonna fix it. They're just going to replace it. They're going to give you a brand new one.
1: <laughs> and that, you know, I've seen a lot of veteran companies, and we, we do our warranties pretty similar when we send products out, man, because it's just, well, I'm going to give you some shit that works. Right. Like, you know, it's, it's not some big corporate thing saying, oh, well, you know, no, it's all right, I'm going to make it right. You know.
0: Yeah, there's nothing... I love no, that nobody that understands you know needing things to work when they need to work than a veteran you know especially a combat veteran
1: i love it i love it and you know i all i needed to do was look through those binos that, you know <laughs> it that did it all had, didn't it I, yep I did. okay I, i'd love to see one of their i'd love to have one of their scopes and honestly their price point's good so that's why i'm saying leadheads help me figure out the right one i'm not worried about in in that range i'm not worried about the price
0: yeah uh, i'm yeah. putting
1: it on a, a really nice gun and you know, so let's go. You're
0: gonna you're gonna get the and for that price to have a have a warranty like that attached to it. If it breaks at any time or malfunctions, you just send it back and they're gonna send you a brand new one to replace it. Can't beat that. No, right no. on USA, baby. Glock, the official carry of Talking Lead, and uh, we I'll be getting you guys some more info on Glock coming up. Some new products, hopefully that uh, they're gonna be releasing to the general public and uh, that's that's coming up. I'm leaving actually Monday to go do that.
1: Well, I'm actually, believe it or not, I'm going to pick up one of those MHSs if they come out with it. Um, I will. I, yeah. I've always been. I'm not a Glock guy, though, and I'm not saying that disrespectfully, Glock. It's just, you know, I've always been a, i I've always really liked to have my safety up there, and, and every gun that I carry, I, I don't know why, Army days, whatever, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, it's not that I fear that it's going to go off. I, I know they're completely reliable. It's none of that. It's just... My training, my muscle memory, that's what I know how to, you know, that's what I remember. Exactly. That's,
0: that's that's. a step that you've got yeah, in that's my step. discharging your firearm, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, I just, I don't want to try to work around that. I want to work with it. So I'm actually kind of excited that it has that. So uh, I'm definitely going to pick one up.
0: Very cool. And again, I'm speculating, guys. I don't know that that's, you know, what they're going to be doing. I'm just speculating. Just a Joe Schmo here, uh, using my educated guess. <laughs> Maybe it's a carbine they're coming out with. Maybe it's a rifle. You know, I don't know. <laughs> a Glock rifle? How awesome would that be? A Glock AR. I would buy it. Hells yeah, in a heartbeat. But until then, if you uh, if you want a, a uh, PCC, pistol caliber carbine in Glock, Nordic Components makes a phenomenal 9mm that's compatible with your Glock. And oh, by the way, uh, you just pop out the magwell and you can put in uh, an adapter Uh, or it's not an adapter. It's another magwell that fit uh, Smith and Wesson. It'll fit 1911. It'll fit you know whatever. Um, they've got the adapters that'll go on that platform. You just buy the magwell that you need, and uh, it'll go for your brand Sig. You know whatever it may be. Pretty fucking cool. Well, Brian, that's that's uh that's it for the show. We're gonna wrap it up here. Um, we gotta have you on again. Are we gonna see you at uh, Shot Show this year?
1: I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Yeah, you I'm kind kinda... of going different directions with our ASP product, and uh, looking to possibly uh, somebody's trying to buy the rights to that at least in some of the markets. So okay, we'll I'm sell not it sure. to this them. Is the first year, I'm not sure.
0: Sell it to them and just come out as a freaking I would spectator, love that. man. Well, we got
1: a lot of other stuffs in that in those types of markets. You so, can be uh, my
0: co-host. You can come out as media with Talking Lady, you can be my co-host.
1: Outstanding! Uh, that might be fun, dude.
0: It will be, it fun. be fun. You
1: know, what my biggest problem with shot show is all the money I spend on the side.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't control that. <laughs> no, you can't. Unfortunately, neither
1: can I. That's why I don't like to go too often.
0: Well, uh, I only go
1: once or twice a year.
0: Hopefully, it'll turn out like last time and you'll hit it big. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. pretty good. Uh, Anterior's Alliance, real quick. Anterior's Alliance, um, which Talking Land is a member of, and I am personally a lifetime member of is going to be having a try-and-buy event uh, before SHOT Show this year. It'll be like the two days before SHOT Show. I think it'll overlap with SHOT Show's range day as well, but definitely the day before they even start that. Um, out at the same gun range that it was at last year. Um, do you remember where that was? Did You You didn't come uh, out for out that, did out at the you?
1: Pro Gun Club, weren't they?
0: Yeah, the Pro Gun Club. That's exactly where it was. Yeah,
1: I used to be a member out there because my parents had a house in Henderson. I used to be a member at Pro Gun Club. Yeah. It's a nice facility.
0: It is, and it, they uh, they only had a few ranges last year, but this year they're taking over the whole the whole facility with their try-and-buy event. So it's going to be a huge event, and if any of you heads are out there, put that on your calendar. Uh, you can go to uh, uh website and uh, get more details on that, and we'll be talking about it more in the days to come. Um, but I uh, just wanted to throw that out there and let everybody know that that was going to be um, coming up this year too. So. Sounds
1: good, man. Appreciate you having us on. And yeah, thanks for man. All the way out to our shoot. I know it was a stretch to have to uh, uh, take your day up shooting all those fine weapons from Tusker Oh
0: arms. yeah, man. It just—it was painful. I hated doing that. I just <laughs> work, 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 work. <laughs> and as always, lead heads, keep your loved ones close.
1: Firearms closer.
0: Boom. Your fiber optic detective systems, even closer.
1: It's going to tell you what's coming.